0: If you're new here to City Church, I just want to give you a great big welcome home. We are really, really thankful that you decided to join with join us this morning in worshiping our King Jesus in this first service. Hey, if you're a regular attender of City Church, I would just encourage you to invite friends first service. We are at a room second service, and it would really be a, a good thing for us to see this the first service just have a little experience and growth here. That'll be a big, big help. So I want to just uh, say thank you this morning for being here, but I also want to do something special today um you know when we moved to seattle and we moved from seattle to central florida 17 years ago there was a a couple that had been really instrumental in our lives my wife had been in their youth ministry just a couple of years ago and and i met them in bible college and their influence on our life uh, their influence on our life is really hard to even put into words but i can tell you that we are here today partially as their obedience to god and starting the city church of seattle and uh, over the last 17 years here, the City Church of Seattle has been a partnering church, and we've been so grateful for their influence. And and the pastor, the Pastor Wendell Smith, the founding pastor, he he passed away in 2010. And he and his wife had dedicated their lives to raising up the next generation, and literally thousands. They've had thousands and thousands of people go through their Bible college. They've had thousands of people around the globe impacted by their ministry. Their son, Judah Smith, has taken over the church, and he's making a great impact in the kingdom of heaven but pastor wendell had a pat he had a burden he had a, really had a burden for local churches and to come alongside and help partnering churches and and so when he passed away about six years ago it was kind of a transitional time for them as a church figuring out what their next step was but we felt committed as we felt committed as a local church really to continue our partnership with them and his wife, who was the business administrator of the church, and she really pastored the team and the staff, she has been, over the last six years, she, she has been traveling to the network churches that are part of our, our city church network, and she's been traveling and ministering and encouraging encouraging them, and she's here with us today. And without further ado, I want you to give Pastor Jenny Smith a great big city church welcome. Come on. Can you give her a great big hand this morning as she comes? <laughs> and they even brought the big pink bike out here.
1: Thank you. 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 I am absolutely delighted to be here with you, and I love this bicycle. Um, And if you don't understand why it's up here, you need to um, go back in the archives of um, (laughs) um, their preaching ministry here. And the last time we were here, we spoke on. A big pink bike, and I know that doesn't sound biblical at all, but trust me, we made it relevant, and um, that's why it's here in celebration. However, I'm not going to address it today. It's just here to be cute, in case you're wondering, <laughs> but it's good to be here with you. Always um, delightful to come and enjoy this amazing Florida weather. In the Northwest, it's, we're not so blessed, and um, so just to come and then hang out with Pastor Laura and Eugene and their kids and the church. It's always great to see how you're doing and, um, you know, just check your pulse. And I could say it sounds like you're really healthy. You're doing great. You're moving forward in faith, and I commend you for that. And I know it's Pastor Appreciation Day or Clergy Appreciation Week. We don't have that in the Northwest. We should. We need to adopt it. It's not as popular as it is here in the South, but um, I think it's more than appropriate. And I just want to take a minute, if you allow me to do so, just to appreciate Pastors Eugene and Laura. I've known Laura since she was 12, 12 years old. And so it's been a, a, a wonderful journey together and just to watch her grow in faith and watch her work through, you know, many challenges that came her way in the course of her life and how she's just overcome with great grace and poise, and, um, and then to see how her and Eugene were brought together. You have to know Pastor Eugene was my children's favorite babysitter. And I know that's hard for you to believe, but at, that is the truth. When he moved to start the church, you moved for the first time to Seattle from Portland. And um, when he moved to start the church in Portland, my kids were... They were mourning his, you know, the grieving the loss of him taking care of them, babysitting them. They, they loved him so much. And we do love both of them, and we just appreciate what God is doing in and through their life. And in the book of Thessalonians, Paul commends the church for three things. And if you would just allow me to take that out of context this morning... I'm going to do it whether you allow me or not. But if we just take that out of context this morning and make it applicable to pastors um, Eugene and Laura, it's true. I just want to commend them first of all for the work of faith that they're doing, and it is a work of faith. It's not just you know a matter of your idea. It really is God's idea. This whole thing was God's idea. In case you're wondering, let your Heart be at peace, and let it be confirmed to your spirit this morning. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And they've been following God, and in the process of following him, he's brought them to this point. But there is more. This isn't the end. This is just a beginning, a new chapter of all that God has for you. But it has been a wonderful work of faith, and you have been faithful to the call, to obey. And as a result, God is doing some amazing things in your midst. And then secondly, he commends... Um, the church for their labor of love and you know this isn't a matter of selfish ambition it really isn't I don't think that pastors Laura or Eugene have even that kind of heart or mindset they really do love Jesus with all their heart soul mind and strength or they wouldn't be here but they also love you And they are here not, again, out of some kind of ambition on their own part, but they are here because they love people and they want to see people come to know Jesus like they know Jesus and to have that same kind of personal relationship with the living God. And so good work. Well done. As long as your motive is love, you can't help but succeed. You might not have all the talent in the world, and I'm not saying that of you, but you might not have all the gift mix, but if you have love, you have, the Bible says, the most important thing. And lastly, um, Paul commends the church there in Thessalonians for their patience of hope. And this is probably the hardest part of the three. It's one thing to love people. It's another thing to be faithful to the vision, but it's quite another to be patient and to wait for the timing of the Holy Spirit. We'd much rather do it our way. We'd much rather accelerate the whole program of God in and through our lives. But the reality is, Pastors Laura and and pastors Eugene have been extremely patient in the process and look what the Lord has done. You know, when God does it, it doesn't take the same kind of effort as when we try to do it. When we allow his timing, you know, to to <laughs> open and close the doors and bring about his purpose, it's, it's just much easier and much more satisfying. And I could say this about pastors Laura and Eugene, if they've been patient in hope, believing, God for the great things that he has promised them, but not making things happen outside of the timing of God, just allowing him in his timing, and his purpose to make it happen. You live longer, too, if you do it that way. You have far less stomach problems, you know, anxiety issues when you just relax and enjoy the whole process. And, and I just believe that this next season of your life is not going to get harder. It's actually going to get better. The best is yet to come, but it's gonna—it's gonna be the most most fulfilling season of your life. And Paul goes on here in this, in this um, first chapter of Thessalonians, and he says it's clear that God not only loves you very much, but He has put His hand on both of you for something special. And i I do believe that's true. This—it's gonna get better and better, more and more exciting. I mean, does it mean there's gonna be less and less problems? But That's what comes with people. <laughs> problems. So my husband always used to say, to be in the ministry, you either need to be called or you have brain damage. Because to intentionally involve yourself in other people's problems, like you don't have enough of your own, is just not sane. Because obviously they're called. They're called to what they're doing. And God is a blessing. And this, you are a part of that blessing. And so thank you for honoring them today. Thank you for you know, taking time to pray over them and thank them for their investment. They're doing a fabulous job. And I do have ch- the opportunity to travel a little bit, and I can say they're t- some of the best. You have some of the best in the kingdom of God. Well, have your Bibles with you? If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38? And I want to tell you just briefly what prompted this message. My, my son, as Pastor Eugene mentioned, he took the church about six years ago when my husband went to heaven without me. We will have a talk about that someday when I get to heaven. But um, he exited a little bit earlier than we had, had <laughs> hoped, and um, he's happy. He does not want to come back. He's on streets of gold. My grandkids are absolutely convinced that he's golfing. And um, because in their mind, that's the highest calling, you know, to be, (laughs) this is supposed to be funny. I know it's 830 in the morning, but just think about, for me, this is 530 in the morning. So just help me out, will you? All right. Thank you. But um, so a few months ago, my son asked me if I would speak at the church and he gave me the topic of prayer. And so, you know, that's a well, a well-preached subject. And oftentimes, you know, you can get people to respond to a message on prayer because everybody feels guilty about not praying enough. So, you know, you can you can, you can, can use the scripture to manipulate emotions and get people feeling bad about it. And so then the altars are full and people respond. But that wasn't really my heart's desire. My heart's desire was to give people an understanding of what prayer really is. And so in the process of preaching the sermon afterwards, we're back in the green room and he... He said, Mom, you gotta write a book. I said, "What's well, one thing to preach a sermon, it's quite another thing to write a book. How many know that's like total commitment? Yeah. Yeah. You know the difference between a chicken, and I won't go there. But um, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And so you know, I said, well, if it's God, I, I, get me a publisher. I'm not gonna write a book if I don't have a publisher. I'm not gonna spend the time and energy if no one's gonna read it and publish it. And so he, get on, he gets on the phone and he starts calling his agent, his publisher, to make an, a deal for me. And so guess what I'm doing now? I'm writing a book. So guess what you get to hear about? What I'm writing. There's nothing else happening inside this woman right now. <laughs> so that's that's what you get this morning. Um, we're going to talk about prayer, but in particular, we're going to talk about it in relationship to Mary and Martha. A couple of of um, very famous women in scripture. And again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. It says, while they were traveling, speaking now of Jesus and his disciples, he entered a village and a woman called Martha, who happened to be, by the way, the older sister of the two, welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So I'll tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her. And I like this answer. It wasn't, he wasn't being um, condescending. He wasn't being, you know, overreacting in, in response to her. He was actually being endearing by saying, Martha, Martha. It was, it was actually a loving thing that he was saying to her. He was reminding her here of the reality of what was taking place. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. And then it goes on and talks about Jesus praying in a certain place. It goes on and gives us a recipe for prayer that we won't get into um, this morning because of our time. But one more scripture in John fifteen fifteen. John 15, 15 says, I do not call you slaves, this is Jesus speaking now, anymore, because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. It is relevant, speaking right to the intents of our heart lord we give you permission to work in us this morning we give you permission to speak to us we don't want to leave the same we didn't come to church just to put in time so that we could get brownie points with you we came to church to receive something from the holy spirit we came in some cases desperate we came hurting we came broken we came hoping we came believing and lord you're gonna you're gonna come and you're gonna meet us at our point of need and you're gonna speak to our hearts and lives and you're gonna encourage us so we look to you lord jesus It's not about me. It's not about eloquent words that are going to be said. It's all about the Holy Spirit ministering to lives. And so we give you permission to work in us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. If you're not um, too familiar um, with our family or with our relationship with Eugene and Laura, as you already mentioned, we've known them forever, for a million years. And um, we've been always supportive of what God's been doing through in and through their life and um, in the course of my our 38 years of marriage before my husband again graduated and went to heaven about six years ago um, we had two children one um, that is pretty well known Judah he actually pastors the church now and um, he's he's a a good kid he's doing a good job and um, he's married and has three children and it happens to be that those i also have a daughter by the way she's married to pastor benny perez and they pastor in las vegas nevada how many know las vegas and each churches and um, they also have three wonderful children but they don't live next door to me machuda and and his wife and their three kids actually live next door in the condo right next like within 10 feet our doors are within 10 feet of each other so we have a lot of interaction So a lot of my um, illustrations are in relationship to these amazing grandchildren that I have. I have six grandchildren. They have three, you know, my daughter has three, my son has three, and my son's children are 12, 10, and seven. And they're just, they're amazing. Actually, I've said it often, and it's true. If I'd known grandkids were so good, I'd skipped having kids and gone right to the grandkids because it's just so much better. And um, so it's not unusual for these grandkids to visit me every morning. I mean, if I'm home and they know I'm home, they're at my door. Um, They are like most children. They like to eat. And so they find their way to my door early in the morning in order for me to make them breakfast. And it's not unusual for them to come to the door. And before they learn to to use the key. Now they're so sophisticated. they know where the key is hidden. But um, previous to that, they'd knock on the door and they'd knock and knock persistently until I answered. And there was no lull in the knock. It wasn't like knock, wait to see if Grammy came. It was just persistent, loud knocking until I got to the door. And I could hear them. oftentimes I would not intentionally answer the door immediately so I could listen to what they were saying, you know out in the hallway and they'd be making comments like, "I know she's in there. They'd get down on their hands and knees and try to look under the threshold of the door to see if they could see me coming, if they could see my shadow, which they couldn't because the door was sealed. But nonetheless, they would pretend like they could see me. I see her. She's coming. I know she's in there. Keep knocking. And they would kind of gang up on the door as they knelt to look underneath. So when I finally opened the door, they just fall into my condo. They just kind of roll into my presence. And um and then we'd be laughing and we're and it's 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 the toll booth to get into Grammy's condo you have to hug and kiss. There's no other way in. No hugs, no kisses, no no breakfast. And so <laughs> course they always want to hug and kiss me so that's never a problem but um you know we're hugging we're kissing we're laughing we're talking over each other we start into this you know little game we play how much do I love you I love you more no I love you more and we kind of come up with the biggest you know explanations of love that we can you know (laughs) and our limited vocabulary come up with. And we would you know, just express our love and appreciation for each other and hug and kiss and tickle. And you know, in that moment of just celebrating our appreciation and love for one another, they would yell out in a very demanding way. Grammy, got pancakes? <laughs> you know, that's all. I, it, it, it. You would think they would come up with another solution for breakfast, but it's always the same. Pancakes. Why? Because it comes with syrup and it's an excuse for sugar. And they, they're very brilliant, these children. And so, right in the middle of the celebration of appreciation and love, they'll make this demand for pancakes. And guess what, Grammy does? I, I say, Absolutely. I might not have anything else in my pantry. And that's probably true. There's no, that's not even an exaggeration. There's not much in there. But I have pancake mix and syrup. I am ready for these kids. I have planned. I have resourced. I have prepared. I've been listening to hear, you know to th- for them in the morning, prepared for them to come to the door. Why? Because I'm crazy about these kids. I love them. I can't wait to engage with them. I can't wait to hang out with them. I can't wait to make them pancakes. So your good heavenly father feels about you. He's crazy about you. He thinks you're amazing. He can't wait to meet with you. He's waiting for you. He's listening for you every morning to come into his presence and just hang out and be with him. No agenda, you know, no <laughs> pre planned, just to be together and to love each other. And in those moments of appreciation and love, it's okay for you to ask for pancakes. Jesus, got pancakes? And you know what he always answers? Yes. He doesn't make it, he doesn't make the, you know, your resources based on some kind of, you know, performance on your behalf. You don't have to live up to some kind of expectations for him make you pancakes, my grandkids never come in the door and and I'll say to them, have you been good or have you been bad? And based on that, I will or I won't make you pancakes. I never question that. I expect that they're going to have some rough days. They're going to have some hard times. They're going to have a bad attitude. Hello, they're human. That's going to happen. But it doesn't matter if they're good or bad. I still make them pancakes at their request. I still feed them And so your good heavenly father wants to meet your needs. He wants to minister to your life. He wants to bless you and do you good, not based on your behavior, not based on whether you've been good (laughs) or bad, just based on his love for you. Mary got this. We just read the story of Mary and Martha. Mary understood that different than Martha. Following Jesus or pursuing a relationship with the living God is not an academic or intellectual pursuit. It's not. I know sometimes we think, you know, if we would just, you know, avail ourselves to more teaching, and I'm not saying that teaching isn't valuable, but our relationship is not based on teaching. My grandchildren don't love me because I teach them or instruct them, (laughs) they like me in spite of that. You know, yes, teaching and instruction are a part of the growing process, but that's not the reason for our love for each other. That's not the reason that we get together so that they can come and have some kind of academic relationship with their grandmother. It's no, We're just crazy about each other because we love each other so much, not based on academics, not based on intellectual pursuit, it's not based on religion or some kind of mystical relationship. Your relationship with Jesus should be as practical and as simple as my relationship with my grandkids. That is truly an honest and sincere relationship with the living God. It's not based on some kind of religious performance on our part. We don't have to crawl up steps on our knees in order to prove our commitment to him. He already knows our heart. He knows our love for him. We don't have to prove anything to him. Again, again, He loves us just for who we are, not for who we're going to be. And it's not really a matter of being mystical or or weird or spooky. Sometimes we make the Holy Spirit so spooky it scares people. You know, He's very practical. (laughs) He, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is 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 you know delighted to be with us and engage with us on a daily basis. As we just pour out our heart before him, just simply open our heart and dump it out. That's what prayer is. It's not some kind of professionalism. It's not some memorized text. It's just willingness to open our heart and pour it out before him. And so with my grandkids, when they come over in the morning, they just open up their heart and let it all hang out. Tell me what their day is going to be like, what their day was with the previous. You know, we just engage in that kind of fellowship. That's what prayer is really all about. And again, Mary understood that pursuing a relationship with Jesus was a matter of childlike trust, absolute trust in the goodness of God. So you won't share the details of your heart and life with somebody that is not trustworthy, with somebody who will not, you know, guard those things that you have shared with them. Somebody that doesn't care, doesn't really care, is not really listening. You're not going to open up and share with that kind of individual, but the living God does care. He cares about the details and the circumstances and the situations of your life. And you can look here at Mary. Mary understood that. So you'll find, you know, again, these two sisters who were very, you know, think about it. They had the same DNA. They were from the same family but had very different spiritual perceptions. Very different perspectives of Jesus. Mary was focusing on Jesus as her friend. The lover of her soul. The healer of her body. All those things we sang about. That's what Mary was focused on. Martha was focused on serving Jesus. Martha was focused on getting approval from Jesus for the sacrifices she was making in order to take care of and feed all these disciples. Think about it for a minute. Here, Jesus shows up at her house with probably 13 plus people. And, you know, in in that culture, it would be most, you know, inappropriate not to feed people that came to your home, you know, in You know, for us, if 13 people showed up at our house, we wouldn't feel bad about saying, hey, McDonald's is down the road. But here, there was an obligation, you know, to feed these individuals. So Martha's feeling the obligation. She's feeling the responsibility, not recognizing who is in her midst. Now, think about it. It wasn't just a person in her midst. It was the living God in her midst, Jesus. The living God is in her midst. The one who fed 5,000 with a few loaves and fishes. The one who turned water to wine. Guess what he didn't need? Martha to make him a meal. How many know he was well capable? The scripture says in Acts that he doesn't need anything. He is God all by himself. But Martha felt this responsibility because of culture. Because of appropriateness. She felt this, she had a responsibility to make this meal, to engage in this kind of service in order to appease, or please, or honor. When that's not what Jesus was asking at all, and so often we fall into those kinds of traps in our relationship with the living God. We try to please him with our, you know, service or our behavior. We try to please him, you know, because it's appropriate and honorable to do something when he's not even asked us to do it. And what did he say to Martha? He said, Martha, Martha. Again, Martha, my, and really a better way to say it was Martha, my dear Martha. So again, he wasn't scolding Martha. He was appealing to Martha. You are busy. You are worried. You are frustrated about many things. I didn't ask you to do any of these things. That's paraphrase. That's my addition. I didn't ask you to do any of these things. But Mary, Mary gets it. Mary has chosen the better part. What did Mary choose? Mary chose to be in relationship with the living God. Mary chose to be at his feet. Now, this, again, is out of character for the culture, for a woman to sit at the at the feet of a man in this culture would be inappropriate. And, it you know, the women would be left in the kitchen to prepare the meal. You know, men would sit at the feet of men, teachers, rabbis. And here Mary just sits right down. She doesn't even ask permission. She sits right down. But Jesus is delighted at her faith, her desire to engage with him, to share that just mutual love for each other and to learn and to receive from him. Think about it for a minute. Mary was seen at the feet of the living God. She got it. She understood there's something here for me to receive. I don't want to miss. I want to engage in this relationship. I don't want to get so busy with the things and cares of life that I miss out on what God has for me. And so with you, don't miss out. Don't sell out. It's a somewhat easier thing to do, to serve. You know, I can fix dinner it doesn't require, on my part, a lot of faith. I can fix dinner. I can care for the practical needs. But it's quite another thing to quiet myself and to sit myself down in the presence of the living God and just let him speak to me and me to him and let him download his love, his goodness, his blessing, his healing in my life. But Mary Mary understood that. We read the scripture in John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But what do I call you? Friend. Mary was focused on that relationship, that friendship with Jesus. And she sat right down in his presence and she received. Where Martha, again, in her frustration, she, think about this. Jesus was teaching his disciples, mind you. He was teaching all of his men. And it's one thing for Mary to sit, you know, in, in the presence of all these men and to receive from Jesus. But Martha interrupts God. Have you ever thought about it that way? Martha barges right into the, you know, obviously Jesus is engaged in talking to these disciples, or at least they're engaged in talking to each other, and Martha barges right in, and she's upset, and she's frustrated. She said, Jesus, Mary is sitting here. And I'm sure she had some ideas about what Mary was doing in that case, but Mary is sitting here, and I'm doing all the work. Make her help me. What was she saying? She was saying, Jesus, fix Mary. She's broken. You know what Mary was saying? Jesus, fix me. Mary wasn't focused on Martha. Mary was focused on Jesus working in her heart, in her life. So often our prayer life is, Jesus, fix this person, and Jesus, fix that person. And, you know, some of us could nudge each other right now. Yeah, this guy could use a little fixing over here, and this gal over here could use a little fixing. And you know, there's nothing wrong with praying for each other, and I, I actually would highly recommend it. But it's, one, it's quite another thing to say, Jesus, fix me. Jesus, work in me. And so often the problem isn't with our spouse. The problem isn't with our loved one or our boss. Or the problem isn't with our neighbor. The problem is actually in us. And when we get the problem fixed in us, it fixes the relational issue. And that's what Jesus was saying to Martha. Martha, Martha. Martha, dear Martha. You've chosen many things. But Mary has chosen one thing. Mary has chosen me. A relationship with me, that's the priority. Not all the responsibilities that's on your to-do list. Now, for those of you who are type A, you are breathing hard right now. You are overwhelmed at the thought that you're going to take some time away and just, you know, spend it in Relating to Jesus and letting him speak to you, but honestly, this is the best thing that you could do in your life is to spend time with him and allow him to adjust, rearrange, refocus in download insight understanding and revelation into your heart for the course of your day how many know you're going to be far more successful in that process mary understood that we have got to get a hold of this we've become way too religious way too professional in our prayers our prayers need to be as simple as my grandchildren are with me and jesus i love you Fix it. Fix me. Work in me. I can't do this without you. This is all, you know, here's my to do list. (laughs) Lord, somehow make this happen. I don't have to please him in order to receive grace from him. Grace is available because I'm his child. Jesus Got pancakes. <laughs> Ironically, Martha was trying to feed Jesus pancakes, and Jesus wanted to feed her. We often try to feed Jesus. How? We, no, he doesn't need us to feed him. Instead, of allowing him to feed us, he wants to feed us supernatural spiritual pancakes there's nothing quite like it talk about protein that's the kind of god we serve martha was approaching jesus as a servant and there's a place for service in the body of christ please don't think for a minute that i'm just not i'm saying that we shouldn't serve But if we are first trying to serve out of our own capacity instead of serve out of the grace of God, we're going to fall way short. We're going to get discouraged. We're going to end up bitter. We're going to end up angry, unappreciated, unappreciated in our mind. We have got to start with being in relationship with him. And out of the being in relationship with him comes the service. And that kind of service has supernatural impact on the lives of others. That kind of service changes people, changes us. Martha was approaching Jesus as a servant, but Mary as a friend. Martha was focused on results. Mary was focused on the person of Jesus. Martha was focused on answers. Mary was focused on the answer. The answer was Jesus. Do you know the answer for you today is as simple as that? Not complicated. Not just like me, he's at that door every single morning waiting, listening, hoping you'll come engage with him. Celebrate your love. And in the atmosphere of love, you can make your request known to him. Jesus got pancakes? Oh, yeah. The pantry is full. It, there's more than enough for you. He's got pancakes for you. Father, we just thank you so much for this amazing congregation. We thank you for their life, their love for you. And I just pray that you will help us simplify our relationship. We get so complicated, so professional. We try so hard. We don't have to try hard. We already please you just like we are. We can just relax in your presence. We can just celebrate your goodness. We can love on you and let you love on us. And then we can make our requests known. And Lord, you hear and you answer our prayer. Let our first prayer be, fix me, Lord Jesus. Work in me, Lord Jesus. Change me. And out of that relationship of love is going to come a new joy, a new excitement, a new anticipation of all the good things that God has. Thank you, Father thank you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.